Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Exodus 12, 12, listen to what the word says. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God will pass over you. One person. Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you. For your word, God, I thank you for each person that's come out today. Father, I pray you strengthen my voice, anoint my mouth, my mind, God, to say things that would be sound doctrine. Lord, we gather in your name to give you glory, and we ask now that you teach us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God will pass over you. I want to talk to you today about the Passover. I want to talk to you about how the Passover in the Old Testament ties into Jesus dying for us in the New Testament. This title could have been a little different. It it probably should have said God might pass over you because some people God will pass over and other people God won't pass over. But I want to give you some context. We're we're jumping into chapter 12. I want to read a couple verses out of chapter 5 so we can set the context and get into the teaching in Exodus 5.1. The Bible says, After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. God told Moses and Aaron, this is what you got to do. You got to take all my people and go out into the wilderness for three days and worship me. He, and he told Moses and Aaron that, and then he told them to tell it to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Verse 2, is that so, retorted Pharaoh? Now, think about this. These people are slaves, and they go to the ruler of the world and say, hey, we want three days off. Like most bosses. He's like, oh, is that so? You're just not going to show up for the next three days? You're just going to take off all on your own? I don't think so. And that's what... Pharaoh told him, and he went even further than that to insult them and their God. He said, and who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. I want you to see in the the middle of this verse, he says, why should I listen to him? That's still the question that many people have today. Why should I listen to him? To God, Why should I do what God says? And the people that have that type of mindset, the people that don't want to listen to what God tells them, typically are in the same place that Pharaoh is in. Look at the last two lines on the screen. Pharaoh said, I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. I don't know the Lord, and I'm not going to do what he says. If you have trouble doing what God says, you probably don't know the Lord. It's easy to obey God when you're in love with God. It's easy to obey God when you recognize God for who he is. It's easy to obey God when you get real salvation. The problem is too many people are claiming salvation but not obeying God and they know something's wrong in here. Pharaoh didn't know God, and he said, I'm not going to do what you you say God said in verse 3, but Aaron and Moses persisted, (laughs) persisted. That could be a whole message all by itself. When God 
says to do something, when God commands us what to do, you need to be persistent in doing what God says. I met people that told me, Pastor Scott, I tried reading the Bible. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you need to persist in your Bible reading. I've had people say, Pastor Scott, I tried praying, but it just, it just feels awkward. I get that. That's for everybody. There's, there's a point in prayer where you feel like, eh, uh, maybe, maybe not. But if you pray long enough, if you pray all out with your heart, there comes a time and a place in prayer where you have a breakthrough and praying is more to you than just what it was. It becomes a real live conversation Amen. with God. Yes, you can look at me and tell I don't do any running. I did all my running in the army. I, and they lied to me in the army because we ran two miles Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five miles on Friday and I was out of breath from the first step. <laughs> and the, the runners in the crowd would be like, come on, Becker, you keep running. You're going you're gonna to break through. You're going you're gonna to catch your wind, and you're going to get a second wind, and you're going you're gonna to breathe easy. And you're, They were liars. Straight liars. I ran for years, never had any kind of breakthrough, was out of breath from first step to the last step. That runner's high is a lie. That's too much marijuana. And that's, that's weed high. Ain't no breakthrough in running. That's just exhausting. But there is a breakthrough in praying. And if you haven't had it, you need to get it. Because there's nothing like having a real conversation with God. But you have to be persistent. Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of Hebrews met with us, they declared. That didn't mean anything to Pharaoh. And it doesn't mean anything to some people in this room. It doesn't mean anything to a lot of people in our community. You might have people that live in your home. You're trying to obey God. You're trying to do what God tells you to do. But it's not, it doesn't mean anything to them. He said, let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with a sword. Now, this, to many people, does not sound like God. I've had a lot of people tell me, I don't believe God, would, a loving God, would send somebody to hell. Well, I got good news for you. God won't send you to hell if you ask him to save you. He'll deliver you. God is giving you an option whether or not you want to go. But Moses is talking about we in the Bible. When the Bible says we, it's typically talking to what kind of people? If it says they, it's typically talking to who? He's saying we here. He's talking about him his brother, and all the people that are truly following God, he said, this God that we serve will kill us. Yes. The Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what God will do if you don't do what he tells you to do? Mm. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 4, Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their task? Get back to work. Many of you know the story from there. Pharaoh was, was so mad at him. He said, I tell you what, we, we'll make their work harder. Because they had been gathering straw for the slaves to, to mix with the mud to make the bricks. They said, we, you can make bricks without straw. You go get your own straw, but you're going to have to make the same number of bricks. They had, they had a total. They, they had a, what do you call that? A quota. They had a quota that they had to meet. And listen, if they double your work and expect the same quota, that's not a nice boss. But he wasn't trying to be a nice boss. He was running slaves. And he doubled their work. He made their work harder because they were trying to follow God. I've heard liars on TV. Please don't come tell me about the one saved preacher you know on TV. I can't listen to TV preachers spend 29 minutes out of a 30-minute show begging for money. Begging for money so they can stay on the air to beg for more money. That's not my thing. I, I don't listen to 
TV preachers because most of what I've ever heard on there was a pack of lies. People saying stuff like, if you send in $100 today, you're going to have a blessing. God don't sell blessings. Well, the Catholic Church used to, but that's a different story. Study your history. I was born into the Catholic Church. I, I know about the, that, that type of selling, but people on TV talking about come to Jesus and everything will get better. Didn't get better for Moses. Didn't get better for God's people in the Old Testament. That, as a matter of fact, it increased some pain in their life. You say, what are you saying, Pastor Scott? If I get saved, life's going to be worse? Well, in the long run, life's going to be way better. But you might have a process to go through on the way there because between every promise and the promised land is a wilderness journey. We're walking through our journey right now. See, the thing about it is people want to believe they come to Jesus and everything is going to get better. Come to Jesus and you won't die and go to hell forever. Come to Jesus and realize that the life that we're in right now is temporary, but there's an eternity that should be more impactful in our life. We ought to be more concerned with where we spend eternity than how bad the pain gets on us today. So Moses comes to Pharaoh, him and Aaron, tell him what's up. Pharaoh said no. Are you going to be like Pharaoh and say no to God? That's just wild to me. I've had people in counseling sessions in my office tell me I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do thus and so. And I just tell the truth. God, God, God called me to tell the truth, and I let them know. If you keep living that way, trouble's coming. I've had people tell me I know it's coming, and I don't care. I'm still going to do it. We had a man in a pastor's meeting one Wednesday sitting there, admitted to the whole room of pastors that he had left his wife and had moved in with the woman he'd been cheating on his wife with for the last three years. So we told him, you, you got to do a couple things right now. You, you got to find somebody to fill in for you while you get your mind right or get out of ministry altogether, and you need to go back to your wife. And he said, I don't care what any of y'all think about me. I don't care what anybody says. I know the Bible as good as everybody in this room. And he said he wasn't leaving her. Well, guess what happened? Judgment. Everything fell apart. She was mad because he outed her and it messed up her marriage. He lost his wife. He lost his side action and was just all alone. In misery and health problems and all other kind of things. Listen, if you think you can live sideways and claim the name of Christ and judgment not come your way, you're wrong. And you haven't studied the Bible accurately. But many of you know the story. Moses tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. So God sends ten different plagues. Ten. Please don't be like Pharaoh. I preached a message one time called One More Night with the Frogs. I'm, I might preach it next week, but I'll give you the punchline now, uh, which means I won't preach it next week. Pharaoh, after the frogs play, could you imagine? Frogs, the Bible said, covered the entire land so that it stank. They were in the food bowls. They were in the beds. They were everywhere you stepped. Now, I'll step on a roach. Amen? Hey, it's Florida. Don't act like you've never seen one. I, pe people say, palmetto bug. That's a roach. And I'll step on a palmetto bug too. But a frog? Mm, I'll kick a frog. I'll broom a frog. But... I wouldn't be wearing these phone pauses. I can tell you that. Lay down. I, this time of year is annoying. Well, the summertime, hopefully these frogs are getting out of their mating season. We got water behind our house, a retention pond. Uh, they call it water uh, so they can charge extra for the lot. But the frogs are so loud. And my window, my bedroom window's on the back of the house. 
And all I can hear all night long. That's annoying enough for, from 50 yards away. What if they were in your bed and laying on top of you, your head? Where are you going to go? They covered the whole land, and that thing kind of got to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said, I tell you what, Moses, I'm going to let y'all's people go. You get rid of these frogs, I'll let, I'll let y'all go. Pharaoh said, fine, let us go, and the frogs will leave. Listen to what Pharaoh said. He said, I'll let y'all go, but come back tomorrow. <laughs> not, not go and come back. I'll let y'all go after you come see me tomorrow and Pharaoh willingly chose to spend one more night with the frogs. Now, why in the world would he say, I'm going to do what God says because there's a plague on me, but I'm going to wait till tomorrow? Why would he choose to spend one more night with the frogs, one more night in his bad situation, one more night in his plague? And you say, that's just crazy, Pastor. He should have did it right then and got them frogs out. Well, let me ask you this. Why are you willing to spend one more night in your mess? Why are you willing to spend one more night saying, I'm going to get right with God one day? There are plagues in the lives of everyone who is not fully obeying God. And if you don't see the plague is probably more dangerous than frogs because the plagues kept getting worse and worse crops being lost animals being lost and finally the 10th plague anybody remember the 10th plague God killed the firstborn of every child this is what we're talking about here in Exodus chapter 12 except the people who had blood on their doorposts and across the top of their door. So don't, don't think that God won't send judgment on people. Why did God have to get that sincere? Because Pharaoh would not yield. So God progressively got worse, got worse, got worse until he finally did something so wretched to Pharaoh that Pharaoh said, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Do you know there are people in this room? You say, Who are they, Pastor? Go home and look in the mirror. You'll find them. There are people in this room that are living with plagues thinking, I, I ain't ready to get right with God. I might be being chastised right now, but I ain't ready to get right with God. Well, how many more nights do you want to sleep with, with, with God's judgment on your life? How many more nights do you want to stay in, 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 in plagues? And the reality is this. God is going to get worse and worse. He's going to keep bringing more on your life, listen, until he gets your attention. What's God going to have to do to you to get you to live right for him? What's God going to have to do in your life? Is, is he going to have to send destruction on your job? Is he going to have to send chastisement in your school? Is he going to have, what's he going to have to do? Because I can tell you this, God never changes. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. There is no two gods. There's only one God, one faith, one baptism. And God will do whatever he has to do to finally break your will, and bring you into obedience to God. I'm going to tell you this, and I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. It's a lot easier just to bow, bend your knee, and bow to God and say, have your way. Have your way, God. You don't have to send no more judgment my way. You don't have to kill my children to get my eyes open. I wonder what it's going to take to get the church's eyes Open to the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in our text, Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. This is, this, is the, this, is the, this is the reality of the setup we just talked about. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instruction to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. They've got their calendar. They've got a Hebrew calendar. And God says, from now on, this month, the month that they were in is between March and April is the first month of the year for the Hebrew people. Verse 3 says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day 
of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. Look at, look at the screen. It says, announce to the whole community of Israel. The whole community. Say whole. whole. That's everybody. Announce to all those church people that on the 10th day of the month, each family, what's the next word? Must. This is not an option. Doing what God says is never considered an option to God. There's obedience and there's disobedience. God said, I set before you a choice, a blessing if you obey and a curse if you disobey. And he said, every family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. Verse 4 says, as a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood, divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they eat. Even in the midst of God bringing judgment, he's still merciful. Even in the midst of God bringing judgment, he still recognizes your personal situation. Even in the midst of God bringing judgment, he's always showing his mercy. Verse 5 says, the animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. He said, get this animal, the most spotless, pure, awesome animal you got. Get this animal on the 10th day and sacrifice it on the 14th day. That's a whole lot of holding on to a sheep. And if you didn't have a sheep, that's a whole lot of holding on to a goat from the 10th day to the 14th day. Verse 7 says, they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. This is where they mark the sides of their door frame and the top of their door frame with what? Blood. They mark their door frames with blood. Verse 8 says, that same night they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with the bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, listen to this, including the head, legs, internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. I thank God that is a he Hebrew commandment, and I'm a Gentile. Some of y'all tripped me out. I have very rarely seen anybody go into that jar at, at, at the... Used, it used to be Jiffy. Anybody remember Jiffy? Y'all ain't been around long enough. It, it used to be the Jiffy food store. Then Little Champ bought them out. Then Kangaroo bought them out. And somebody else's circle, whatever's buying everybody out. But that big jar of pickled pig's feet. Whew. You got it? You went in that jar? Oh, y'all just brave. Whew. I can't eat it. I don't eat weird stuff. I don't eat the head off a sheep. Uh, I, I'll go for a leg. You know, there's a wing in there somewhere. I, I, I'll call it chicken. And internal organs? Whoa. We're talking about chitlins now. Chitlins. Joyce, bring them on. Bring me. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Y'all know that my family, dirt poor, cotton picking farmers from Rayville, Louisiana. If you ever saw that show Duck Dynasty, that's in Monroe. Monroe, Louisiana is the town. When people say, I got to go into town, I'm going uptown, they're going to Monroe because there's nothing in Rayville but cotton farms. And I can tell you about, one thing I can tell you about chitlins, they stink. <laughs> Whoo! He said, that, he agreed they stink, said they're good. I wouldn't know because I'm not putting that stuff in my body. And I'm glad that God hadn't commanded me to eat no sheep organs. But this is what they had to do. Wasn't optional, do it or die. That's, that's what God said, do it or die. Verse 10, he said, do not leave any of it until the morning. Do you see how specific this is? God is not looking for partial fellowship. God lays it out specifically and expects it to be done. He said, burn whatever is not eaten 
before morning. Hallelujah. I tell you what's not eaten. Them organs, throw them in the fire. <laughs> that head, she says, brains are good. Throw that in the fire. We're burning that up. I'll eat the leg. I, I, I might go for a breast, but mm, the rest of that stuff have to be burnt up. Thank God for his mercy in that for people like me who can't eat sheep brain or goat brain. Now, my youngest son, Seth, anywhere we go, he wants to get the weirdest thing on the menu. We were in Niagara Falls, New York. I didn't know that was a city. We went to Niagara Falls to see Niagara Falls. But there's a city above Buffalo called Niagara Falls. And we went to some famous restaurant there. Uh, they said you had their reservations three to four months in advance. We went in, no reservation, but it had a small table off to the side. They said they would seat us at. So we sat there, and sure enough, Seth wanted to get something crazy. I don't even remember what it was. You remember what it was? Squid brains. Squid don't even have brains. I think it was octopus. It might have been... Whatever it was, it was like a stew with, with chunks of yucky floating in it. I'm going to help y'all. We eat out, if you know me, me and my boys, because I'm a single dad, we eat out every day. Every day. We go out somewhere to eat. And if you go to a restaurant and you don't know what to get, what, what part of the menu should you look at, Jake? You, you should look at the top of the menu. Get the number one. That's what they do best. If you go to Burger King, get a Whopper. If you go to McDonald's, get a Big Mac. I, went, I saw lasagna at the top, and I thought, okay, I'll get lasagna. I can choke down lasagna. And Seth gets this floating pile of yuck, $86. $86. For floating yuck. <laughs> he smelled it and said, Dad, do I have to eat it? <laughs> I chopped off some of my lasagna and threw it on his plate. And, 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 you know, they took my $86 anyway. We go to Clark's Fish Camp just to see the stuffed animals. Fish camp. What do you think they got to eat? Fish. Seafood. It's on the water. Seth orders camel hump. Camel. This thing smelled so bad, it was stinking up the whole restaurant. We tried to eat it and spit it out. It was so nasty, you can't imagine, but they, they, thank God we don't have to eat the kind of stuff that Seth orders that he don't eat either. But God gave them mercy and said, whatever you don't eat, throw it in the fire. See, even in the midst of laying stuff out, God still makes it doable, amen? Don't ever think that God's commands are not doable. They're always doable. He, he always makes it to where it can be done. In verse 11, he said, these are your instructions. These are your instructions. God has been giving instructions to his people from day one. He gave Adam and Eve instructions. He gave Moses and Aaron instructions. He gave Joshua and Caleb instructions. He gave Peter, James, and John instructions. He gives me instructions. And I almost said Peter, Paul, and Mary. He gave, <laughs> y'all don't know about that. He gave us instructions. He said, these are your instructions for eating this meal. What God calls you to do need to be written in this book. People talk about what God told me. If you think God told you something in your head, but it disagrees with what this book says, you need to stay with the written word over what your head told you. The written word is safe. The written word is secure. The written word is pure. God said he's elevated his word above his name. And he gave these instructions to eat this meal. He said, be fully dressed 
You got to get dressed at night. Check this out. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. When God calls you to do something, you need to do it according to the instructions. You don't get the opportunity to do it your way. I've had people tell me, oh, don't worry about me, man. Me and, me and the man upstairs, we got a deal worked out. Well, I, I've read the whole book. They have probably not, even if they have, if they, they didn't understand it. Because the deal that God's got worked out with them is get saved or die and go to hell forever. It's the same deal. People tell me, you know, Pastor Scott, you're just old school. Times have changed. Times have changed. But God hasn't changed. Cultural standards have changed. But God hasn't changed. The church's willingness to accept stuff in some churches has changed. But God hasn't changed because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, obey him with urgency. Are you urgent about the things of God? Do you obey the things of God? This is the word of the Lord in verse 12. It says, on that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. There are so many people that have created a false view of God. White people want to believe Jesus was blonde-haired and blue-eyed. That's just crazy. That Middle East. He, he, had, he had tan skin at best. Black people want to believe he had an afro and a fist pick stuck in the back of his head. That's just crazy. They didn't make fist pick picks <laughs> 2,000 years ago. And he wasn't African. He was Jewish. Don't try to make God something that he's not just to suit you. This has been a problem from day one. People want God to be the God they want him to be. And people have told me, I don't believe in a hell. I believe in God, but I don't believe in a hell. Well, the only way you can know anything about God is through the Bible. And the God of the Bible talks about hell. And it's heaven and it's hell. And he said, I will kill every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. If you study the ten plagues, you'll see that they directly correlate to ten different pre prevalent gods of Egypt at that time. He said, I'll destroy all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. If you are a Christian, if you believe in the God who is the Father of Jesus Christ, then you have the real God. Everything else is a fake God. Everything else is a false God. The real God says, I'm going to destroy all the, look, little g gods of Egypt. There's a lot of little g gods still in the land today. We make gods out of things that are not gods. You say, well, how, what, what do you mean, Pastor? A God is something that you hold in high esteem that you give your time, your money, and your energy to. You say, well, what, what, what type of gods are they? Fashion? Shopping? I didn't even know. It was, it was just a couple of years ago. Some of y'all remember I came in and, and, and confessed. I, I, I now know what a BOGO is. I didn't even know what BOGO was until a couple years ago. The fashion people know what BOGO means. Anybody not know what BOGO means? That's all right. That's buy one, get one. Listen, how high must they jack up the prices to give you one just because you bought one? I, I'm on Jose Banks mailing list. I get these flyers in my mail for these people that make overpriced clothing. And every other month, They'll have a sale. Buy one suit, get three free. <laughs> well, how would you feel if you bought one last month and they hit nothing but the suit? They jack up the prices. They, they, they make it hard on you. But people are a slave. Many people make fashion their God. Many people make sports their God. 
if you don't believe me, go to a University of Florida football game. Or if you can't make it to the top of the crop, go to a Florida State game. Or if you can't make it to the Florida State game, sink on down to a Bulldog game. And if that just don't do it for you, because you got to get all crazed up, go to the U and catch a game at the U. And here's what you'll see. People worshiping football. You say, well, how can you tell they're worshiping? They're giving their time to it. They're giving their money to it. And they're giving their praise to it. The Hebrew word for praise, the most prevalent Hebrew word for praise in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word, halal, which means to celebrate something with massive enthusiasm. It, 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 if you look at the Hebrew dictionary, it says to rant and rave in celebration. We don't see that a lot in church, but you see it a lot at a football game. You don't even have to go to a college football game or a pro football game. You can go to a Pop Warner football game. You go watch nine-year-olds. One of them scoring, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. What you all fired up for? They don't even keep track of winners and losers in this league. <laughs> that celebration is there because the deep love is there for what they've got going on. God said, I'm going to execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. Many people have made money their God. We live in a world, I had to walk through the mall yesterday. I hate Orange Park Mall. But Seth needed a pair of jeans. He had outgrown his last pair. And so go to the mall to get a pair of emergency jeans. And as I'm walking through, see, 100, and listen, if you paid $169 for a pair of jeans, you got took. (laughs) If you paid more than $39 for a pair of jeans, you got took. They saw you coming and just knocked your head off. We go in there, and I, I told my boys, I said, the materialism in this country is disgusting. Everything's so overpriced. But people in there just getting it, getting it, getting it. You, you want to see, listen, I know some of y'all will be there. Uh, what, Black Friday. Is that is the day after Thanksgiving? Lining up. At 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, they opening up their doors at 5 a.m. People trampling each. Listen, you don't need a VCR. They don't even make cassette tapes no more. <laughs> Rushing in there at 3 o'clock in the morning to try to save $20 on a TV. <laughs> People have made stuff, materialistic stuff, their God, and the Holy God. Of Israel said, I'm going to execute judgment against all the little G gods of Egypt. You say, well, that doesn't say of America. What God does for one, he does for all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 13 says, but the blood on your doorpost, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. Listen to what this last part says. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The Old Testament gives us many shadows of things to come. It gives us a little peek in the Old Testament of what's going to be fully revealed in the New Testament. If you go to Bible college and you want to major in biblical studies, you're going to have to take a class called typology. Typology was one of my favorite classes. Dr. Harwood still taught me typology at Luther Rice Bible College. And typology is the study of types. And a type is a picture in the Old Testament of something greater that will be revealed in the New Testament. Let's see how this lamb in the Old Testament was a type of what would be revealed in the New Testament. I want to point out just a few similarities between what we just read and what happened in the New Testament. Number one thing I want you to see, disobedience to what God says brings judgment. That was shown then, 
and it's still true now. The Bible says the payment for sin is death. All sin has to be judged. All sin has to be paid for. Either you pay for it yourself or you accept the payment that Jesus made. Number two, God is merciful and gives us a way to avoid judgment. All those people saying they don't believe God would send them to hell, they don't have to go to hell, and we don't have to go to hell if we will believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was merciful to those people, and he gave them a way to avoid judgment. I want you to know that God will be merciful to you today and give you a way out of your sin. Doesn't matter what you're addicted to. Doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. I've had some people say, Pastor, just got a hold on me. I can't let it go. Listen to me real good. Yes, you can. God can give you the strength. You can't let it go on your own. But if you'll trust God to get you through it, he'll get you through it. Has God ever got anybody in this room through anything? This is a testimony today. God is merciful and gives us a way out. Number three. Same then as in the New Testament. There must be a spotless sacrifice. He told them to get a lamb. He said, get the best lamb. Get a spotless lamb. There must be a sacrifice. Go get the best lamb. That was in Exodus. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere silver or gold. When people say that salvation is free, that's true for us, but it's not cheap. There's a price paid for salvation. The Bible says that God paid a ransom to save you. If God paid a ransom to save you and you don't trust in that as the payment for your sin, it's on you. I can't understand people that don't want to accept God. If you know that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, you better accept the payment that Jesus made. If I walk in to Clay Electric, JEA, and I pay your light bill, and you walk in there and tell them, nope, scratch that off. Scratch that. I pay my own light bill. I'm a a self-made man. Pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Nobody paying bills for me. Well, you're crazy. But no more crazy than the world who God paid a ransom to save that won't accept that payment. They don't believe there's a price coming. But the Bible says sin has to be paid for. Verse 19 says it was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless, look what it says, Lamb of God. When Jesus stepped into public ministry in the New Testament at about 30 years old. He was baptized by who? John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. Not to be confused with John that wrote five books in the Bible, but John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, anybody remember? The Lamb of God. That takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of Jesus is the Lamb of God. And the price that was paid for God to pass over us is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb in the Old Testament was just a type of what God revealed to us in the New Testament. The blood of a physical Animal, lamb, or goat that was applied over the door frame was just a picture of the blood that would come. The Bible says that there came a time when the blood of bulls and goats would no longer sacrifice for the justice that God demanded. So he sent a perfect sacrifice, a one-time sacrifice of his son who gave his precious blood. He is the sinless lamb of God. You see the similarity? Anybody see the similarity? Blood from a lamb. Old Testament. Animal. Blood from a lamb. New Testament. The Son of God. Jesus Christ. Fourth thing. I see a similarity between then and now. We've already hit on it a little bit, but there has to be blood. Say blood. There has to be. I do not understand this concept. I really don't. 
You say, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to understand. I, I'm a man just like you. I, 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 there's lots of stuff I don't know, and I'm in my process of trying to work through my issues and trust God through my issues. But this thing about Bud, listen to what Hebrews 9.22 says. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. What kind of plan is that? I, 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 it's God's world. He gets to make the plan. Okay? If you don't like God's plan, create a world, die for the sins of your people. Well, you can't do that. That's silly. That's what the Mormon church believes, but I'll, I'll, that's a different subject for a different time. My father was a priest in the Mormon church. They, they believe some wild stuff. But this blood thing. You know, I, I, don't, I don't get how God made this plan, but I know that's his plan. And always, whenever there was sin, God would offer forgiveness, but it only comes through blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Blood in the Old Testament from an animal lamb. Blood in the New Testament from Jesus Christ. When Adam and Eve, died, when Adam and Eve sinned, God told them, if you touch that fruit of that tree, you're going to die. Well, they touched it. They didn't fall over dead physically, but they died spiritually. The connection between God and man was broken, and sin entered into the world. And without the shedding of blood, there can't be any forgiveness. If you read the story in Genesis, you'll find out that Adam was hiding from God. Why was Adam hiding from God? Because he said he was what? Naked. 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 He was butt naked. He had on no clothes. What a paradise. This man and his woman walking around butt naked in the cool of the garden got everything. And then God said, don't touch that one thing. You know how people are. Go ahead and leave out five things on your counter and tell one of your children, hey, don't touch that right there. Do not come back crumbs all over their face. Did you eat that? No. God comes to find them. They're hiding from God because they sin. God says no shedding of blood, no forgiveness. What did God do for their nakedness? The Bible says he clothed them with the skin of animals. Well, guess how you get the skin off an animal? You got to cut it off. When you cut it off, there's blood. From Adam and Eve to the end of time, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God's plan it's a blood thing. Number five, get this and we're done. You must apply the blood and make it personal. Amen. You must apply the blood and make it personal. God sent ten plagues. The, the people of Israel were exempt from the first nine. Didn't touch them. And they didn't have to do anything. I've told you before that there's two types of promises in the Bible, conditional promises and unconditional promises. Unconditional promises are just good without doing anything. You don't have to do anything to get it. The first nine plagues, God protected Israel unconditionally. They didn't have to do anything to avoid the judgment of the first nine plagues, but the tenth plague was different. The tenth plague was the final stroke, and that required personal application. In the Old Testament, they had to do something with the blood or they were going to have judgment and death. Today, October 1st, 2017, we have to personally apply the blood to our life to avoid judgment and death. Is anybody following me? Moses didn't do it for him. People want God. God didn't do it for him. Moses didn't do it for him. Aaron didn't do it for him. People want somebody else. I had people say, when I asked them, are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. My daddy laid the cornerstone on the big church downtown. What's that got to do with you being a Christian? Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. I sang in the choir at, at Church of God by Faith on the River Incorporated in Jesus' name only. What's that got to do? What are you a Christian? The Christian is a blood thing. Did you apply the blood? Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. My grandmama prophetess, she speaks for the Lord. What's that got to do with you being a Christian? Nothing. It's a personal thing. Say personal. You got to make this thing personal with 
the blood. Blood has to be applied or death and judgment are coming your way. My question to you in closing is have you applied the blood of Jesus? Have you personally applied the blood of Jesus to your life? Somebody has got to pay for sin. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. God said, Adam and Eve, you eat that fruit and you're going to die. He did, they didn't die physically, but they died on the inside. They disconnected from God on the inside. Sin separates us from God. And somebody's got to pay for that sin. Every sin that we've ever committed as human beings throughout the whole world, must be accounted for. It either is paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, or it will be paid for all those who don't choose that payment with death and hell forever. You say, Pastor, that don't sound nice. That don't sound warm and fuzzy. The truth's the truth anyhow. This is the word of the Lord. Here's the good news. You don't have to die for your sin. You don't have to shed blood for your sin. You don't have to sacrifice your children for your sin. You don't have to walk 100 miles and crawl on broken glass for your sin. You, all you have to do, the Bible says, is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe. What, about, what the Bible says, the devils believe. They're not saved. So there's more to this believing in Jesus than just a head knowledge. I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States all my life. Till a couple of years ago when I found out George Washington didn't even become the president of the United States until 1789. We had a country from 1776. So what was that for those 13 years? They had another president. I believe, but I spent my whole life believing that George Washington was the first president of the United States. I spent my whole life believing that Abraham Lincoln was the what president? 16th president of the United States. I believe those things, but I wouldn't trust them for my eternal salvation. And good thing I did, because I found George Washington wasn't the real deal. Some people are believing in the wrong stuff. But you got to believe in the right stuff, and you got to believe the right way. I told you before, I'll tell you again, we'll get out of here. The Amplified Bible says it really good. I have people ask me, Pastor, what's the best version of of the Bible. Which version do you like the best? I have the same answer all the time. The best version of the Bible is the one you read. You might say, well, I like the King James Version. If it's just sitting there not being read, that ain't doing you no know. Well, I like the New American Standard Version. It's the, it's the best word-for-word comparative analysis of the original text from the Texas Receptus, and I prefer the New American Standard Version. Well, that's all fun. That's all cool and intellectual. But if it's just sitting there and you're not reading it, it's not doing you any good. But, but people want to want to come up with their own plan. If you read the Bible, the Bible tells you all you have to do and all you can do is believe. But that word believe is so, shown so clearly for biblical truth in the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says, for God so greatly and dearly loved the world. That he, even he himself, gave his one and only truly begotten son. That whosoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on him and him alone. Shall not perish into eternal damnation, but have everlasting life with God in heaven. That's the kind of believe that will get you to heaven. Not just, oh, I believe in Jesus. Do you trust in him? Do you cling to him? Do you rely on him and him alone? If somebody asks you, are you a Christian? Your answer better not be, oh, I go to abundant life. Oh, I got baptized. Oh, I, 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 go, I, I work in food and clothing ministry. If somebody asks you a Christian, the only acceptable answer is, yes, I am a Christian because I believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. I believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as payment for my sin because that's what God said. You got to take this blood and make it personal. Last verse I'm going to read, Exodus 12, 13. 
We saw it in our text earlier. It says, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. God is looking for blood. God had to apply blood to Adam and Eve to cover their sin. God had to tell these people to apply blood over their doorposts to cover for their sin. If you want God's judgment, God's death angel to pass over you, you better have applied the blood. Because he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Well, I don't believe that the shed blood of Jesus has anything to do with salvation. Well, he won't pass over you. This is the word of the Lord. You say, well, I don't believe there's only one way to get to heaven. Well, if he doesn't see the blood, he's not going to pass over you. When you hear the word Passover, you need to understand what it's talking about. You need to understand that the death angel will pass over only the people who have applied the blood of the lamb to their life. Not only did he tell them you have to apply the blood, he said, but you got to eat it all. You got to eat, you got to get that lamb down inside you, all of it. Consume it. Get it deep inside you. This fake halfway believe in Jesus, but you don't have it all deep down inside you, will not get you to heaven. Say, Pascal, why you got why you gotta make it so serious? Because I don't want you to die and go to hell forever. Not when God has made a way. Not when God has paid our price. You don't have to pay a price forever in hell. You can accept the shed blood of Jesus. And when God sees the blood, he will pass over you. We need to go tell somebody. I've heard so many people say, I wish the church had the power of Pentecost. I wish the church was as powerful as it was in the first century in the book of Acts. Listen, it wasn't signs and wonders and miracles that made the church powerful in the book of Acts. It was people telling the story of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And people were coming to salvation. That's what made the church powerful. Have you applied the blood of Jesus Christ to your life? You say, Pastor, I don't even understand all that. There's a lamb in the Old Testament. There's a lamb for us. The lamb in the Old Testament was an animal. The lamb for us is the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his blood. The Bible says that when Jesus hung on the cross, that the sin of the world was placed on him. I told you don't get your theology from songs and nursery rhymes, plays, TV. But there's a part of one song that I believe is true. One song, part of it says, when he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. Well, how could Scott Becker be on his mind? How could Jeff Harris be on his mind? How could you be on his mind? Because the Bible says he himself bore our sin in his body. Everything that we've ever done wrong was placed on Jesus. Everything that we've ever thought, every action, every thought. The Bible says if you thought it, you're guilty of sin. All the sin of humanity was placed on Jesus at the cross. And that's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When that transference happened, when all of our sin was put on Jesus. God turned away from his own son. And Jesus said, why are you forsaking me? I've done exactly what you told me to do. Why are you forsaking me? It wasn't what Jesus did. It's what we did that caused the father to look away from the son. People talk about the pain that Jesus went through, the nails in his hand, the nails in his feet, surely painful, having to pull himself up 
to get air so his lungs could expand was surely painful. Being pierced in his side was painful. Being spit on, the beard pulled out of his face was painful. The crown of thorns, two to three inch large thorns smashed down into his head, piercing into his brain was pain. All these things were painful. The scourging that he went through before they put him on the cross where they beat him with a cat of nine tails so severely the Bible says you couldn't recognize if he was a man or a woman because his bowels, his guts hung down lower than his groin. He was ripped apart. It was painful. But I believe the greatest pain that Jesus suffered on the cross was that moment when Our sin was put on him, and he had been clean and spotless and pure and holy his whole life, and he became dirty. He became sinful. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made right with God. He takes our sin, and he gives us his righteousness. He takes our sin and he replaces it with his righteousness. We put our sin on him. He puts his righteousness on us. That's how the Bible says you get saved. So how do you apply this blood? The Bible says in John 1.12 that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. You have to become a child of God. You have to receive power from God to become a child of God. You have to believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary as the only payment for sin. And you have to be willing to say, I will apply that blood to my life and I will consume everything about Jesus. And God says his judgment will pass over you. The word salvation in the Greek is the same word for deliverance. Whether you need salvation for eternal life Or whether you need deliverance from an addiction or a habit or a person. Salvation and deliverance come the same way. Apply the blood. Apply the blood of Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved is what the Bible says. That word saved also means delivered. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be delivered. I wish we had the time. I wish people were willing to take the time and we could go one by one, row by row, and say, what do you need to be delivered from? What do you need God to step in and do in your life? Well, the answer would be the same for everybody. Apply the blood. Things not going the way you want them to go? Life being difficult on you? Apply the blood. Things not where you want them to be in your life? Apply the blood. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's amazing that God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He didn't say, when I see good people, I'll pass over. He didn't say, when I see people who give tithes and offerings, I'll pass over. He didn't say, when people memorize enough of the Bible, I'll pass over. He said, when I see the blood. Check. Good to go. When God looks at you, does he see your sin? Or have you applied the blood from the top to the bottom? On both sides, all around, deep on the inside of you, have you consumed the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you have. I'm not going to have a public invitation and call you down here and and shake your hand and hug hug your neck. You don't have to pray a prayer with a preacher to get saved. If you're not saved, you need to ask God to save you. He said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to walk an aisle or pray a prayer, but the Bible says whosoever believes in him will not be ashamed. You need to get saved, and you need to tell somebody, I got saved today. I applied the blood of Jesus personally in my life. I accepted Jesus' payment for sin, and I am going to consume all of him for the rest of my life. I hope that you trust in Jesus for your salvation. I hope that you believe in the shed blood. Peter says that his blood 
was precious blood. I want to tell you today, his blood was surely precious blood. Because it washed away the sin of Scott Becker. His blood was precious blood. Because it washed away the sin of everybody who would choose to believe in him. You need to ask him to apply the blood to your sin. So that judgment will pass over you. Pray with me. God, thank you for giving us a way out. Thank you for providing us with a spotless lamb. Thank you that we didn't have to go out and keep the lamb from the 10th day to the 14th day. Thank you, God, that we didn't have to slaughter the lamb and take dripping blood and apply it to the door frames of our houses. Thank you, God, that you did all the work for us. You supplied the lamb. And you let them slaughter the lamb. And you let the blood of your son run down his head, off his hands and his feet, from the top of his body to the bottom of his feet. As that blood ran down, the payment for sin was being made. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do something outrageous to have eternal life. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do something so hard that we would find it difficult to be saved. You told us if we just believe in you, that you'd prepare a home for us in heaven. God, I pray for every person in this room that's not truly born again. God, I pray that you would give them the faith to trust in the blood of the Lamb. I pray that you would give them the faith to believe that their sin was paid for on the cross of Calvary. God, I pray you'd save anybody in this room that's not truly a Christian. God, I pray for people who are stuck, who are in a rut spiritually, who aren't growing spiritually, who aren't consuming Jesus deep inside their body. I pray, God, for people who are addicted to substances, drugs, alcohol. God, I pray for people who are addicted to fame, fortune, to the approval of other people, to their own ego. God, I pray that you deliver your people. We believe in the blood of Jesus Christ as the only way for salvation and deliverance. And we ask you, God, to pass over us. And God, I pray you'd save more people so you could pass over more people so they don't have to face the death angel. God, I pray that you'd pass over somebody today. Thank you for passing over me. Thank you for passing over my children. Not because they're my children, but because they believed in you. Thank you, God, for passing over every person that ever believed in you. I pray you grow that number in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.